You're listening to Addicted to Growth. Join us each week as we sit down with sales, marketing, and revenue leaders on the front lines of innovation. New insights, new playbooks, new tech, new lessons. Step forward into growth and development or backwards into safety and security. The choice is yours. Let's get into the show. So today I'm super excited to have, you know, not only a legend in this in the sales industry, um, but someone who's been around the game for, for a, a pretty, you know, decent amount of time. You know, Roderick has held sales enablement leadership roles at NetApp, PayPal, Salesforce, Oracle, Marketo, and is currently running his own company. So uh, without further ado, Roderick, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm really excited to jump into this one. Of course, man. We're super excited to have you. So um, let's just dive right in. Could you give everyone, you know, a quick rundown of, you know, who you are and, you know, kind of what you currently do and maybe some of the things that you've done over your time in this sales uh, world that we live in right now? Sure. Why don't I start from the front and then come forward to where we are today? I actually started out as a BDR, so carrying a bag and, and essentially dialing for dollars way back in the day. Did really well, got promoted up to AE and went to President's Club a couple of times and got promoted again up to sales leader and realized I don't really like selling as much as I love the process of selling. So at the time, I wanted to sales training. And yeah, it was really fundamental and and rudimentary back in those days. And it was uh, some small templates and okay, let's call it, it was Excel files and and Word files that we kind of jerry-rigged around. And moving forward, I have been in this sales enablement games, sales training, sales effectiveness, worn a number of titles for about 25 years now. So I'd say I'm probably um, one of the seasoned, if not one of the grandfathers of sales enablement. And in the companies you've named off, it's been a phenomenal run thus far. Gave me a great opportunity to grow and hone and learn a bunch of new things. Was fortunate enough to be also one of the founding members of the Sales Enablement Society. So for those that don't know what it is, we akin ourselves to sales enablement doing similar to what PMI did for project management, you know, consistency around nomenclature and tools and templates and things of that sort. And so with all of that combined, a couple of years ago, joined in with a couple of partners and we decided to kick off our own sales enablement uh, and sales coaching practice, Roderick Jefferson and Associates. We focused primarily initially in the mid-market, kind of that 10 to $100 million space of helping folks as we call it, demystify the darkness of what sales enablement is and either help them build the plumbing or upgrade the plumbing in their companies around sales enablement. We've been fortunate to be pulled upstream and we now have some of the largest logos out on the planet as well as small. And we play in a horizontal space across uh, verticals like uh, high tech and med tech and manufacturing and financial services. So the great thing is learning all of those best practices horizontally both from the smaller up-and-coming hyper-growth companies all the way up to those large company names that we all speak every day. And we're able to share those best practices, tools, and templates, et cetera, across both of those. So, so that's super interesting, right? I think when you take a look at all the different, you know, there's different, all these different categories and there's different you know, companies at different stages I think the common theme here is that you always have to be investing in your people. You always have to be training. You always have to 
you know, be enabling them. And when I look at the sales enablement function, I think that, you know, if you looked at it in a pie chart, right, I think there's probably gonna be a lot of different categories that would fall under the sales enablement umbrella, uh, maybe from a prioritization perspective, but could you sort of shed some light on what are some of the functions that would fall under, you know, that bucket or that, that umbrella? Sure. So, and, and I'm glad you say that and we start there because it all starts with a definition of what sales enablement is and what sales enablement is not. And it's funny, in, in every company, it means something different. I think if you ask 10 people, you'll get probably 12 answers. Exactly. So why don't I just throw in a, a 13th just for the fun of it? We define sales enablement as from an orchestra perspective. Think about all of the lines of business in a given company as the pieces of an orchestra, the woodwinds, the brass, the percussion, the strings, etc. They're all playing different notes at the same time until one conductor, which in this case is sales enablement, steps up and taps the stand. And then that becomes a beautiful piece of music. Now, to go a little deeper on that, it's about how do we help do three things. Help to decrease time to revenue, help to increase productivity across the sales organization, and we'll call it the go-to-market organization. And thirdly, how do we remove these non-selling obstacles from what's in the way? Does that help kind of lay a ground rule and, and a baseline? Yeah, no, it, it absolutely does. Um, and, you know, I think those, those three key things you mentioned there are, are things that every org is trying to figure out, right? And I think you mentioned what are the non-selling activities that you need to ignore. So, and to me, that's probably one of the most, you know, uh, tactical, you know, things that every person, every company could probably take a look at today and, and implement to make some improvements or optimizations. Are there common themes there? Is there anything that you see a lot of companies doing that, you know, are, are the very typical, you know, non-sales activities that are wasting time? Yeah, you know, it, it's, we don't want sales folks out there. And as a former sales folks, a salesperson, I'll say, you don't want people like us out there. Um, creating competitive briefs. You don't want us creating um, decks around go-to-market strategy. And you also want to make sure that things that are being put into your CRM are not just minimalistic, but things that are going to truly drive value. And that mm -hmm. we don't have a million different fields that you're asking people to put them in. Because I'll tell you right now, the old adage of garbage in, garbage out has never meant more than it does today. So figure out what are the critical pieces that fit in there and get those done. And then align those back. Oh, and, and I love getting to this piece. Align everything you do back to your customer evolution or, or your buyer's journey. We all focus on sales process, sales methodology, opportunity plans and review, forecasting and deal desk. Well, here's the big secret. If you don't focus on the buyer's evolu evolution or the buyer's journey, you won't have new buyers. So you won't have to worry about any of the things that we're talking about today because it all begins and it ends with the buyer evolution or the buyer's journey. Yeah, that's, that's super interesting. And I think, you know, when, when I'm looking at a lot of companies, especially when it looks at their Salesforce process, I see the common pitfall of defining process or defining stages as to internally what they are doing, not so much the actions of the buyer journey. Um, so it's, it's, it's amazing that you're, you're, you know, you're guiding code, you know, coaching different organizations and sales leaders on how to make that transition. Um, when, when you talk about decreasing time to productivity, right, you, you look at the onboarding of, of sales professionals. I think this is probably 
one of the most important elements that companies need to be investing in uh, just due to the impact it has. What are, what are some other themes there, right? What are, what are some major you know, areas that you focus on or questions you may ask to really understand how can you increase that time of hire to, to value or to productivity? Well, I, I think it comes down to what we call the five P's and it's around crafting the blueprint to success, right? And those P's all start with the first P, which are people. Do you have the right structure? Do you have the talent that's needed? Do you have the right compensation plan driving the things that you want driven in your company? And are you creating leaders or are you creating more followers? What I mean by that is, is there coaching in place for your first line managers? Mm-hmm. The problem is, and we've all seen this, you're a rock star salesperson. You get promoted to sales manager, and you're never actually taught how to coach or how to lead. So you start managing your team, of which you may have never even run a team meeting before, but you start managing them the same way you do your old patch. And we know a couple of things happen there. One, they only get what you know. Second, you're now micromanaging and you're driving people out of the business. And thirdly, you're never actually learning how to coach. So that's one piece of it. The other piece are things like your purpose. What is your culture? How's that defined? What's the charter? What is sales enablement responsible for and not responsible for? I'll say this. We are not the fixers of broken things. IT has that worked out. We're not sales servants and we're not sales scribes. We have to be partners to all of the lines of business to make sure that we are, and I'll call us the translators of dialects and languages, if you will. We've got to understand how to speak HR, uh, engineering, product marketing, product management, sales, et cetera. Go out and meet, yes, go out and meet with prospects and customers and come back and translate that. Here's an example. Go and meet with customers and come back to product marketing and say, hey, absolutely love the company pitch. But around slide seven, it gets a little fuzzy. Can we either smooth that out or remove it? Hey, product management, we've heard this request 10 times. What can we do to move that up on the release cycle? Hey, HR, we're finding out the people that are coming through are not necessarily fitting our IEP. Now, we all talk about ICP, the ideal customer client profile. I want to introduce a new acronym, IEP. What is the ideal employee profile, not for today, but where your company is going? Making a lot of sense yet? Oh, 100%. And I really love that you touched on this new acronym, IEP, mainly because I think that's one thing that's that gets lost a lot of times. And I guess, could you touch on like, what does an ideal employee profile look like? Like if you were hiring your dream team right now, like what would you want on your, you know, on your team? Well, let me take a step back from that. And we have to figure out what's our go to market strategy. How is the competitive landscape impacting what's going on around us? How is mergers and acquisitions also impacting things? And ultimately, bringing this back to the, the buyer evolution of the buyer's journey. So once we figured that out, now we can start to figure out that IEP. And that's based around a couple of things. Are we a volume velocity sell? Or are we a long-term enterprise relationship sell? Because those are going to be two completely different profiles. I always advocate for sales enablement being a part of the interview process for sales folks for a couple of reasons. One, we're looking at this differently than just can they produce quota, will they fit into the culture, et cetera. Because now we're looking at do they have a propensity to actually follow through the entire process of sales enablement that has been rolled out or is in the process. And secondly, we have a much higher BS filter than sales folks because we deal with sales folks every day. I love that. And I think 
you know, I've always looked at sales enablement almost as the glue between, you know, your sales team, your marketing team, your product team. I've never thought of it or even heard within your HR and hiring team. So, so I love to see, I love hearing that. I think that's super unique and, and really, really interesting. Um, you know, I think that the, you know, what you're saying makes a ton of sense to me, right? Understanding your ICP, understanding your buyer journey. If you can understand those external variables around you, it's going to help you make better decisions internally, whether that's process related, whether that is, you know, understanding your ideal candidate profile or employee profile. Um, so I think that's all, all amazing. What is it about sales enablement? Like you, you mentioned you, you fell in love with the process and not the actual selling. Are there other things that might be an identifier for you or for salespeople out there that say, hey, this might be a really good path for me to take within my career? Absolutely. Let's go back to those five P's for a moment. So I've given you two, which are people and purpose. Let's talk about the next three now and what got me so excited about sales enablement and that I love sharing. And the next is program. You've got to look at everything from onboarding. Now, I don't mean just sales enablement onboarding. Let's go back and figure out how do we tie the company orientation to what you're doing in sales onboarding so it doesn't feel like it's two segmented programs. The next is what are the global initiatives that have to happen and how do we connect the dots for all those? What's our competition doing and how do we make sure that we stay ahead of that curve and we are providing our prospects and our clients or customers with information that is useful and usable before competition gets to them. The next is, how do we now own our own domain expertise? A lot of times we used to do these certifications and accreditations where you get the deck and you go and regurgitate it. You may even record it and stick it up on some tool. Let's step away from that. What we've started doing is accreditations that are stand and deliver via whiteboard. Why? Because you cannot hide behind the whiteboard. And another process that we bring in is that accreditation. It gives you an opportunity to have to internalize all this information, understand it, and then be able to share it in a given scenario. The next P is performance. What are the communications that need to go out? Who owns those communications? How are we sending this out to sale? What needs to be said and when? We all know communications at the beginning of a quarter or month is going to be very different than mid-quarter or end of year even. The next is coaching, as we talked about earlier. How are you creating more first and second line leaders that are now coaching? And how are you focused on succession planning and creating those leaders so that they, as they move up, there are benchmarks and levers to click as they move? How are you focusing on continuing education? Because we all know that if you give one-time spot, it's just a training. And I'll leave you with this one. And that is we train animals and we enable people. Hold on to that one. Next is what are the tools that are required? And then the metrics. And I don't mean vanity metrics like smiley sheets, NPS scores, and butts and seats. What are the true revenue generating metrics that are going to move the needle for your company, for your prospect, and for your customers? And the final P is platforms. How do we scale? How do we automate? What metrics are being communicated? How are they going out? Who owns those? And what are the impact on revenue and also your customers of those metrics. That's what I fell in love with. Oof, some fire. I really <laughs> love <laughs> some fire, man. Especially like realizing that, you know, when it comes down to, you know, such a, a complex role, it's like I can really understand and, and feel why you fell in love with this. And, you know, as someone that's, you know, been in the, you know, the BDR, SDR role for, 
the majority of my career. Like one question I have, like on top of the program's performance, like as, as someone that's been around the game for a little bit, like I understand, you know, the difference in the nuances that go into these different P's, but like for newer people out there, like that are being given, you know, these books and being given video modules to sit in front of for hours. Like, what are some things that you would, you know, tell, you know, a person getting started as a BDR or as an SDR in this world to kind of help them, you know, kind of work through that process if, you know, they're getting fed this video and book led sales enablement process? First of all, if they're getting fed that, then they're in a company that may not be around long because that process should have died a long time ago. What I would say is find a mentor or a sponsor inside of your organization. We all know who the rock stars are. Approach them, but approach them with what's in it for them, not just that you need help. Let's start there. So find a mentor and ask these questions. How did you get to where you are? What didn't work that you tried? And what did you try later? Now, it's important to figure out not just what is successful, but what does not work. And for some reason, we seem to be afraid of those. Um, and get comfortable with being uncomfortable. We don't expect you to know everything as a BDR just getting started. Most of the time, you're just coming out of school. You have little to no experience. This may be your first, second, or third job. The only thing you have control of is two things. One, how you react to things, and secondly, your personal attitude towards how you're going to get things moved forward. Ask questions. Don't be afraid to say these three words, which I think is probably the biggest words on the planet beyond I love you, and that is I don't know. When you don't know, that gives you an opportunity to learn something, but also know that you bring something to the table unique that you can now share and also impart in other people that may have been around a long time because you've got a new set of lenses and a fresh attitude coming into this. Got it. No, that, that makes so much sense. And it's such a simple thing that where I think a lot of times people feel some sort of, you know, self-doubt with being able to say, like, I don't know, because everybody wants to know the answers. So uh, that, that makes complete sense. And actually, I, I want to go back one, one step real quick to the uh, training animals analogy that you mentioned, because this is one thing that Kevin and I <laughs> joke about a lot. And it's like, it's, it's funny to me because I think like an athlete, right? Like I played college sports, played sports literally my whole life. And I, I, I equate this sometimes to like training, like, what do you think LeBron James, Odell Beckham Jr. and Saquon Barkley are doing during the off season? And like, how can that equate into, you know, the sales world that we're operating in? So I guess, could you, I guess, touch a little bit on uh, kind of like that training animals mentality and like, what does that like animal look like or could just touch a little bit more on that animal mentality because it's it's something that's just top of mind for me absolutely first of all the analogy is you train animals and you enable people and as a former college athlete myself i'll keep it into to a sports analogy let's say you've got a coach that says okay i'm going to i want you to do a left hand layup you jump off your right leg you lift your left hand up and the ball rolls off your fingertips and you say okay great coach show me how to do it and that coach he or she says well, the manual says if you jump off your right leg and you let it roll off your finger, now you've lost confidence in that coach because they can't show you. That's a trainer, and that's not a disrespect to anyone that trains out there. I just think that training is more about teaching you how to do something. Enablement is about a conversation bilaterally between you two and coming to a mutually equitable end that now says, 
here's what I need to do, and I have the experience to show you how to do that. But at the same time, the expectation is that you will also bring feedback back to me and or new ideas so that we can continue to iterate together and both grow. Yeah, that that's a really good point. And from, from a sales leadership perspective, I'm always looking at, you know, whether it's external sales trainers or even somebody internally who is going to run a training session for, you know, for salespeople, I think that, you know, there's two, two key things I'm, I'm hearing from you right now is one is just pure passion. Like I can tell you love this stuff, man, um, which is absolutely amazing. Um, but secondly, you, you know, you, you mentioned right from the jump, like you, you were a BDR, you carried a bag, you've walked in their shoes before. So I think another major component to this is credibility. Um, I'm interested to hear besides for, you know, those two sort of components, what are other key traits or characteristics that makes, you know, somebody within a sales enablement role, uh, really valuable or really impactful? Well, I think that there are a couple things. One get to know the veterans and the legacy folks around that may sit around your desk that are either part of your team, take them out to lunch, pick their brain, understand how they got to where they are, and then take from that and extract what works for you. The second piece is never allow anyone other than you, not your mom, not your dad, not your manager, not even your CEO to drive your career because no one has the vested interest in it that you do. So what does driving your career mean? It means going out and finding the podcast so that you can listen to it, like the one that we're talking on today. Going out and, and reading what you can touch, but finding out and crowdsourcing. You know, I, I'm an old season guy with gray hair, so the world today is very different than when I was selling. I had to go and find things. You can find just about anything. The problem is there's too much out there. So do some crowdsourcing. You've got LinkedIn. You've got other tools. Find out from the people in your inner circle that are on your board of governors, who do they believe in? Who do they follow? Who do they read? What podcasts are they listening to? And then go in and see if those work for you. And just like with Amazon, all of us can go on and listen to a podcast or, or watch a webinar and it'll say, people that watch this also watch this. So you've got a built-in system right now that is actually set up to make you ultimately successful. You have to just go and put in a little legwork or little sweat equity to figure out what works for you and what your learning style is. And once you figure that out, the world's your oyster. Ooh, I really love how you brought in that learning style and the world becoming your oyster. Cause one of the, the themes of the, this podcast is the world is our classroom and every you know moment is an opportunity to learn at a deeper level. And so I, like being able to figure out your learning style, like, is that something that came easy to you? Like how long did it take you to figure out how you learn and how you grow? Actually, it came easy because even as kids, we learn what doesn't work for us before what works. Let me give you a, a small analogy. When you learn how to ride a bike or you learn how to ride a skateboard, the first thing you learned was how to fall because it's going to happen. How do you fall? How do you tuck and roll? Or how do you minimize those skin, knees, and elbows? So now let's move that to the business side. The very same thing. Look, I don't want to sit in front of a talking head for 30 minutes, but I will listen to six, five-minute podcasts and get the same information. Or if I'm not an auditory learner and I'm a visual learner, if I'm watching a webinar, give me some closed captions 
or give show me the script so that I can read that because I may blank out the words that are being said auditorily, but I can read the script or I can read the closed captioning and I can stay along with that. Got it. It's like a, a multi-sensory learning approach. I do that now with Absolutely. watching like YouTube videos with captions. Sometimes I'll have books. Sometimes I'll just, you know, use a whiteboard to figure out my ideas. So definitely love that approach and that analogy. Um, Thank you. Yeah, and, and this is, again, I think this is like a really, really interesting um, topic. And you know, I think Roderick, when you, when you look at your career, right. And you just do a glance through your LinkedIn page, right. You have this amazing experience. It looks like you've had, you know, rose the ranks in sales, leadership positions, an amazing career. Again, there's, there's probably a ton of failures that you can't see underneath this amazing on paper career. What were maybe some of those, those, you know, hard lessons learned or, or, you know, maybe uh, a failure that, was just this amazing learning lesson for you. Ah, you want me to open up the closet and let the skeletons out, don't you? Just, just a little bit, <laughs> you know, cause I, I think, you know, the, the, the thing you mentioned before being able to, as say you're, you know, if you're a first time sales leader, if you're a first time BDR, if you're a first time anything, you know, being able to go and say like, I don't know. And, and, you know, not being afraid to make mistakes. Like we all have massive, massive failures that, we just don't put on resumes. We don't put on LinkedIn pages. And I think bringing that human element to it, like it, it's great for, for us to share like, Hey, I've made this crazy mistake in my career and this is what I learned from it. And it made me better because of X, Y, and Z reasons. So would love to hear if there's anything that comes to mind for you. Oh, there's plenty. First of all, thank you for asking this question because social media has everyone believing that life is all unicorns and rainbows and it's not. And I'll be honest, I fail every day. And as a leader, I learned a lot from my failures, more than I did probably the successes. So I'll give you a couple things. One, I think EQ and emotional intelligence is more important today than it's ever been at any point in American, excuse me, in world history. And that leads to the failure. You cannot, as a sales leader, whether you're first time or you're one of those old dogs that we've got to teach new tricks, you cannot teach, excuse me, you cannot treat everyone on your team the same. And it's not about equal. It's more about understanding the individual, what motivates them, how to drive them, what's important to them, and what is success look like for them. And then how do we mesh that into the success for the team, the numbers, the company, and outwardly to our clients and our prospects? I made that mistake early as a leader. I went in, I had gotten my team, and we were moving forward, and I had. And I'll be honest, back then it was marching orders. Here's what I need done. Let's get it done by this time. Here's the deadline. The thing I forgot to mention to them was the why. Why are we doing this? How does it fit into the overall goal? How do we weave this into the fabric of the company? And how do you go back and explain to your stakeholders and your internal customers the value of this? And I think that's why in enablement, a lot of times we've been seen as the breakers, the fixers of broken things. It's because we tried to treat all of our teammates and even our peers as the same, and they're not. As I said earlier, you've got to be that orchestra and master that understands the woodwinds, the percussion, the brass, all of that. If you don't do that, people will leave you. And newsflash, people will talk to their friends about you. Whether you know it or not, you are going to be a topic of conversation of this is the best leader I've ever had or 
ooh, don't go to that company. We've all talked to our friends and peers about a prospective company we're looking at maybe applying to or that may be recruiting us, and we get one of two things. Amazing culture, this is great, or ooh, avoid that one like the plague. Run as fast as you can away from it. So the biggest failure I had was treating everyone the same. I'd say the second biggest failure is thinking that I was giving sales what I thought they needed rather than being a true partner, taking time, doing an assessment or needs analysis, and then surmising the results from that and going back and validating it then with sales. Instead of saying, here's what I thought you heard, and oh, by the way, here's a Band-Aid, go fix. Enablement is an ongoing occurrence. It's not a single event, as is conversation. You can't have a one-way conversation, otherwise you're talking to yourself. As a leader, a lot of times when you think you're talking to your teams and you're giving those marching orders, it's really a brick wall that's bouncing back at you. So stop and get to know those people. I don't, I don't mean what they do on the weekends and where they hang out and what's on their Instagram more of who they are and what motivates them. And each person has a definition of success. Find out what that is and figure out how to groom and foster and grow that. Oh, I love it. I love it. I'm getting like chills and goosebumps over here because of, of, of some of the things that you're touching on and really understanding and connecting at a human level with the people that are on your teams, the people that you're spending time with and not the, you know, let's go to happy hour on Thursdays and let's go get, you know, plastered. It's a uh, wait, like what does this person actually need? Like what's making them feel like they're being a part of something larger than just being, you know, the, the person that's managing the West coast territory and FinTech, right? Like really touching right. on what matters to them. Um, so I love that Roderick. And um, kind of like to, to wrap things up, I mean, man, like we covered so much amazing ground from the evolution of the buyer's journey to the five P's to IEPs to, you know, animals and like so much just juice that like I'm so excited to share with everyone. Um, I guess like as we wrap up, like are there any things that you touched on that you feel are you know, super vital for people to kind of take away from this conversation that we had today. Yeah, I want to leave you with one thing, and that is that sales enablement first, second, tertiary, and last is about people. Those P's I go back to, it's not about the platforms, it's not about the programs, et cetera. It's about making people bigger, faster, and stronger, and to align that to a professional setting. How do we decrease time to revenue? How do we increase productivity and how do we help to remove selling obstacles? If we're doing that, we are truly a partner to not only sales, but all the other lines of business and the business units across your organization. So enablement is more about listening than it is about talking. You listen, you, you learn first, you listen, then you lead. Learn, listen, lead. You guys heard it first. And for, for the people listening, uh, where can people go to connect with you after, you know, they hear the fire that you just dropped on this podcast? Oh, man, we're all over uh, social media. You can find us on LinkedIn at Roderick Jefferson and Associates. You can find us on Twitter at The Voice of Rod, on Facebook at The Voice of Rod. You can find us on Insta at uh, Roderick underscore J underscore Associates. 
or you can go check out our website at RoderickJefferson.com. If you can't find us, you're not looking. Love it. Thanks so much for hopping on today, Roderick. Hey, thanks for the time. I appreciate it. You got it. Thanks for listening to Addicted to Growth. If you learn something new, don't be shy. Let people know. The best way to learn a new skill is to practice day in and day out. Go execute something you just learned this week with your community. Until next time.